Welcome to Hashtags and Stilettos with Sakita Holly, the podcast that's like having your own personal publicist in your pocket, sharing business, lifestyle, and PR tips on demand. Today's guest is Crosby Nurix. Crosby is the founder of PR Couture, a website that is the top editorial destination serving, supporting, and celebrating the field of fashion communications. Crosby is also the author of Ready to Launch, the PR couture guide to breaking into fashion PR, as well as an experienced digital marketing strategist and business coach who is currently in the process of establishing the first trade organization for fashion communicators called Fashion Communicators International. I've been a reader of PR couture and a fan of Crosby's work for years, and I invited her on the show today to talk about the power in going niche and having a narrow and deep focus for your blog or business. Welcome to the show, Crosby. Thank you so much for having me. So I've been reading PR Couture for years, and I really love what you've done with the site and all of the subsequent brand extensions, such as the merchandise. And, you know, I really need to get me one or 12 of, of those <laughs> PR girl shirts oh, yes. and a set of pencils. You've also... Yes, you've also done workshops and you guys have stationery and greeting cards. But one of the things I don't know is how you got started. Can you talk a little bit about your background of how you got into PR and what was the catalyst behind you launching PRCouture.com? Definitely. We are about to celebrate our 10-year anniversary this December. Uh, so it is an actually great time to kind of take a look back at how how I got here and it really, I think, started in, you know, it started in, in college. I was always interested in fashion, mm -hmm. and I just had this habit of trying to figure out how to fit fashion into whatever it was that I was learning about. And in college, I was a double major in media studies, which was very film-focused, and then gender and feminist studies. And mm -hmm. a lot of what I just, a lot of what I focused on was where the fashion industry sort of fit into those different areas. Mm -hmm. And eventually, let's see, I went to, I did a study abroad at the London College of Fashion. That was kind of okay. my, uh, my one way in my, uh, my lib small liberal arts college. I was sort of <laughs> saying, they didn't know what to do with me. And so I said, mm -hmm. hey, could I go somewhere and, and learn a little bit more about fashion? So I went and I did that, came back graduated, eventually ended up going to graduate school, and okay. there was really exposed to public relations for the first time. I had to take a course as part of my graduate curriculum in PR, and one of the things that we had to do in that class was write a strategic PR plan for a pro bono okay. client. And that client was a nonprofit that was working to raise awareness about issues of sexual assault on college campuses. And that entire experience just felt incredibly creative to me. The mix of, you know, business strategy of, of solving this problem, uh, bringing people together, building community with persuasive sort of storytelling and writing. Uh, and there was also a design component. You know, I was creating these uh, mock-ups in Photoshop of what their website could look like and what flyers mm -hmm. could look like and events and things and I just, I, I found it to be a really exciting project to work on. And so I did the same thing that I always did. I started to think about, well, there's got to be PR in the fashion industry. I wonder what that looks like. Right. And with the encouragement of my thesis advisor, 
ended up putting together a proposal that included going to New York and interviewing practitioners about their mm-hmm. experiences. And uh, after you know a ton of, of research and pulling from fashion marketing theory and PR theory, uh, dress studies, which is this really cool uh, little little niche <laughs> where you you know look at the role of clothing um, mm-hmm. in different in different ways. Put together this whole master's thesis. You know, I think it was like 160 pages, 200 pages, something. Wow! And then graduated and realized that nobody was ever going to read that thesis aside <laughs> from my thesis committee. And mm-hmm. I wanted to figure. I wanted a way to continue to to talk about the things that I was curious about and Mm. to stay connected to the women that I had met through this interview process. Mm -hmm. At that point, I had been working um, as the in-house publicist for a jewelry company for about two years. And so I was having this interesting experience of, you know, doing the job, uh, writing about it from this sort of academic or trade perspective. And a lot of what I was doing in the early days was uh, blogger outreach. And so the idea of creating a blog just felt really natural. I remember in the beginning thinking, I'm going to create this, you know, comprehensive resource about everything and anything and everything having to do with fashion PR. And then Mm -hmm. that just felt like way too much. And so uh, a blog felt like something that was really manageable. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, it was 2006. Fashion blogging was just starting up. There were all of these you know, young women from all over the country, we were all kind of connecting with each other about Mm -hmm. this sort of love for clothing and a very sort of independent and, you know, non-traditional media, non-mass media focus. And so I just kind of decided to take a somewhat unique approach rather than just starting a style blog. I wanted to really talk about what goes on behind the scenes at fashion Mm -hmm. brands and specifically around fashion communication. And so over, I think it was like the course of like a weekend, I, you know, bought the domain, taught myself how to set up the basic, you know, WordPress website, had a friend Mm -hmm. of mine who was a graphic designer come up with the first logo and, uh, just really started, started writing and started, uh, started using PR Couture as a platform to connect with other fashion publicists, interviewing Mm -hmm. them, talking to them. And, uh, it just really grew from there. So how were you able to narrow down from that first thought of this all-encompassing resource for the fashion industry or PR in the fashion industry to that niche of, you know, focusing on the practitioners? Well, I think for me, you know, I've always been interested in 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 the behind the scenes approach and mm-hmm in the people behind the messages that go out. And okay. so a lot of my, you know, a lot of my initial curiosity was very, it was very personal. I was trying to figure out this career path mm, and okay. I had a lot of questions. <laughs> um, public relations is not a space where there's a ton of, you know, built-in mentorship or uh, a clear right. path to follow. And mm-hmm. so although I was doing the work and I was doing, you know, I was doing a good job, I didn't necessarily feel like I had any idea what I was really doing or if I was doing mm-hmm. it right. And so part of the part of the platform was really, yeah, it was completely selfish. It was just a way for me to get those questions answered. <laughs> right. Um, while having the having the benefit of, you know, a blog or a platform, uh, 
it's it's a little bit more compelling to reach out to somebody who's an expert in the field and say, hey, I'd love to feature you on my blog as opposed to, hey, can you just you know, tell me what to do in an email. Right. Because uh, most people would have probably ignored that. <laughs> right. Right. But then, you know, you've got a blog all of a sudden, there's a link and there's, you know, photos mm-hmm. and it looks pretty and uh, it's hard to, it's hard to say no to things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, the beginning was, you know, it was that mix of wanting to provide information that was not out there. When I was doing research for my thesis, there was nothing about fashion PR online. You couldn't find uh, information about PR agencies. It wasn't like today where there were, you know, case studies and bios and Instagram profiles and all of that. You were lucky right. to get a splash page and a phone number. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to be transparent about uh, the questions that I had and about the industry as I understood it. And mm-hmm. um, my hope was that, you know, nobody would have that experience of of not necessarily knowing exactly exactly what fashion PR was all about. So that was kind of the initial, the initial goal coming out of both that academic program and as a young practitioner in the industry. Uh, my desire to, to really hone in on, you know, publicists and, uh, and that role just came from the fact that that was the career path that I was pursuing. And so that's where my, that's where my head was at and that's where my focus was. And that's kind of what I was, that was what I was interested in at the time. Mm -hmm. So I've struggled a lot with hashtags and stilettos and, you know, just trying to nail down like, okay, what is the focus? Who is the audience? Um, I started as mostly, uh, you know, talking about PR from my perspective, talking about different things happening in the industry. And then I'm I'm just like, there's a need for this other thing. Maybe I should kind of do that. And I think I had a lot of fear of, okay, alienating the people that were already, you know, coming to the site. Or there was this issue of like, okay, I have a lot of interests and passions. How can I, you know, just choose one? Like, has that ever been an issue for you? Like, when after you launched, like, say, after the first six months or a year, did you feel like you were too small or had too narrow a focus? Or did you feel like, okay, you had hit a sweet spot? Yeah, gosh, um, a little bit of all of those things, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely remember going through a period of sort of discovering that concept of being like a multi-passionate entrepreneur mm-hmm. and having a lot of interests and trying to figure out what exactly to focus on. One of my, I think, gifts and curses is that I can see, you know, multiple potential right. avenues and opportunities in, in any one single thing. It's, uh, it's great with a client because, you know, there's no, there's no limit to sort of the ideas and opportunities and paths we can take. And then uh, from a personal perspective, it can be all that opportunity and, and potential ways to go can be a little bit debilitating and it can be difficult to sort of make make decisions a little bit. You get that little analysis paralysis thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, you know, I started PR Couture and it was very much a blog that I did outside of work and it was a fun creative exercise and it was something, you know, I was working full time and working for other people and mm-hmm. part of what made uh, part of what made Pierre Couture so fun was that it was the one thing that I had full creative control over. I didn't necessarily think of myself in, as an entrepreneur at that point um, and I you know had a full-time job and and grew Pierre Couture for the first six or seven years of its existence and so mm-hmm. It was not a situation where I, where I sat down 
and started from scratch and was like, this is the thing that I'm going to build and it's going to be a business. The business mm-hmm. sort of came secondary. Okay. Uh, I will say though, that one of the biggest struggles that I have is the fact that we have three main audiences on the site. We have mm. kind of three main segments and it is consistently challenging to figure out the right mix of content and services mm-hmm. that appeals to, you know, in the individual segments as well as, you know, has enough broad appeal to, to interest everyone. And that's something where I can, um, you know, just get a little, get a little twisted in my head trying to figure out, you know, because the, you know, the needs and questions that a PR student has are very different from the needs and questions that an emerging designer has, which are still different from a PR agency owner, which are still different from a freelance publicist. And, um, you know, so what, whereas the site, yes, is very, is very niche in terms of industry, even within that industry, there are so many layers, layers, exactly. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I talk to clients about is, is similar to what you said, but almost the reverse where, you know, if you try to be everything to everyone, you end up being very little to most people. Mm-hmm. And so it, I always, it, not to cut you off, but isn't it funny? We can give the best advice to our clients, but then when it comes to yeah, our yourself, own stuff, <laughs> you hear yourself saying something and you're like, Oh, right. <laughs> Exactly. I'm so smart about that. Yeah. Let me just jot that down for myself for later. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So you talked about the layers of like, even within the niche that you're in and you focus on for your site, have you and your team developed some type of process about, you know, what actually gets featured or what services get offered? Like, do you kind of put them through any type of ringer where you say, okay, no, this may be a little bit too, too broad or this won't appeal to anybody? How does that process of elimination go? Yeah, we're definitely getting better at it. Um, We now, I think, have clarified those three segments to the point where those can be sort of top of mind. It took a couple of years to even get to the point where I could where I could tell you, like in no uncertain terms, you know, these are our three Mm -hmm. audiences. Um, We have, you know, buyer personas for each of those audiences and uh, a document that sort of says, you know, this is the person, this is what they need. These are the existing services and uh, and content areas of the site that are developed to serve them. And here are the ways that they can take advantage of the site. And here are a couple of, you know, ideas that we have for the future of how we could serve them better. And part of, we just did a redesign this year. And part of that redesign was really about taking a look at the information architecture and making it easier for individuals to sort of Mm self-select what they were interested in and to get to the content. You know, when you have almost a decade worth of blog content, that's a lot of, that's a lot of articles. Um, Right. And I think that, you know, for, for better or worse with blogs, we focus so much on uh, this idea that the date really matters, but we have a ton of evergreen, amazing content on the site that was just buried. So part mm-hmm. of our part of our focus, really, with this latest redesign was was to bring some of that, you know, old yet still great content to light, mm-hmm. and through you know some category landing pages and things like that, make it easier for people to find the content that was most relevant to them. Mm-hmm. And then from a marketing perspective, and this is something we're still working on, doing a better job of then connecting whatever the product or services that we offer to that piece of content in a way that feels you know, natural and helpful and useful and not just like a pop-up that's like, 
did you like this? You know, come right. by this, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And that's something because we started as a blog and, you know, monetization has been something that we have done over time. I'm incredibly sensitive to. Um, I didn't want the site just to suddenly feel like a business where you were getting sold product all the time. Fundamentally right. at the core, we really want to be a resource. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of businesses are starting today with, like, let's say, one product, you know, and they, but they've launched in a unique enough space where they could literally expand in a million different directions. So one brand that comes to mind is Casper that makes the mattresses, and mm-hmm. they had the mattress for, you know, a whole, maybe two years, and now they just kind of launched um, sheets, and it's like this huge big deal <laughs> because they put all this technology into it. But when you are launching in a space or you have this niche where you could, like you said, take it in so many different directions because PR is so multifaceted. It takes a lot of discipline and restraint not to launch a million products or services (laughs) every month. How do you deal with that? You know, and was there any one thing in particular that you kind of still wish you would have been able to launch or do that you just know wouldn't have been the right fit? Mm, Good questions. Well, I think, again, because we started just, I started with this understanding that we were just sort of a blog. We were there, you know, for entertainment and educational purposes. Mm -hmm. We spent a lot of time now looking back, being really generous with the, with the content that we put out. Um, And I, and I'm proud of that because by the time we got around to launching products, we already had a pretty strong reputation within mm-hmm. our little our little niche mm-hmm. and so people were mostly excited to be able to buy something mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. they were excited about the opportunity to work with me more one-on-one I think the first thing that we um that we offered I did a little like career coaching session and then launched the book ready to launch mm-hmm. and so we started there and then um, you know, some of the considerations around launching products, I think, comes from a need to really establish your uh, your thought leadership first okay. and to sort of prove to your audience that you're the right person to help them with their particular problem. Mm-hmm. And then another big consideration is, you know, there are all these things that that we know that somebody needs, but they might not know that they need it. Right. <laughs> Just another sort of, you know, giving yourself your own advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's important to figure out what are the most immediate either pain points or opportunities that your audience keeps telling you about and mm-hmm. to serve them first and to focus okay. on serving on serving them rather than building something out because you're interested in it. Um, Not to say that your, you know, your passion for something could definitely take you pretty far. Mm -hmm. Uh, And part of the sales process is learning how to, you know, bring your tribe in and, and get them excited about this thing that you're excited about. But I have definitely, I have definitely considered a lot of potential, you know, courses and books and things. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and sometimes I'm like, I just, that's interesting to me because that's interesting to me. I'm not sure that it's actually going to help it's going to be the catalyst for somebody to really experience significant results or significant change. And so I'm trying to prioritize the things that I know that I have in my background and in my experience that can be most useful to someone else. 
uh, and save sort of some of those other, you know, passion projects or creative impulses uh, for later. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what would you say has been the greatest benefit in staying niche? And are there any cons to that? I think the biggest benefit is just that I have a really strong connection with my audience because I'm there to serve in this one very specific way. Mm -hmm. And in being niche, it, it does cut down on a lot of the, as you were saying, you know, potential other places that we could go. So it helps with decision-making because it either is on or off-brand. It is either about fashion and lifestyle communications or it's not. And that can help just streamline the, you know, the different initiatives that you're working on. So if you have one minute to convince a room full of entrepreneurs or bloggers on the value of going niche, what would you say? Oh, that's a lot of pressure. Uh, let's see. Um, I, I think it's back to that maxim that I mentioned before. When you mm-hmm. when you try to be everything to all people, you end up not being very meaningful to anyone. And when mm-hmm. you pick and own and stand for a niche, and you say, "I'm I'm I'm stepping in as an expert, or I'm going to facilitate the experience of connecting you to experts." And I'm going to do that consistently around one particular topic. And I'm going to really own that for you and with you. You're in a much more powerful position than when you come in with something that is a little bit more broad. That was perfect. And I think you, that was like 20 seconds. That was great. (laughs) Like that. If you ever need to do an elevator speech, that's the one, that's the one you should use. Oh, oh. Yeah, I'll I'll write it down for my scribble it down for myself later. (laughs) So what advice would you give to the bloggers or business owners who are listening to this right now, who are drowning in a sea of unrelated blog verticals and or service areas and they want to scale back because they know that's the right thing to do, but they don't even know like how to go about it? I would say first, uh, Take a look at the information that you already have through your analytics. So take a look at, you know, what is what is the site content that's performing really well? Uh, if you have a blog, that can be a really great indicator of the subject areas that your audience is really interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, surveys, I think, are great. Uh, free calls are just great around a particular topic. And listen to the language that your audience is using when they're talking to you about where they're challenged. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the one of the most effective ways of of building rapport is to is to use the language that your audience is using to describe their experience mm-hmm. and so there are a lot of different you know kind of mini strategies but i think step 1 is kind of you need to get a feedback mechanism into place where you're hearing directly from the audience that you do have about what they're coming to you for i know for you know for coaches it happens a lot with you know life coaches who are maybe looking at you know, well, is it weight loss or is it relationships or is it career? And some of that comes from just sort of making a, making a little, 
what is that called? Like sticking a pole in the, in the sand and saying, this is what I'm going to stand for right now. And this is really where I'm going to help you. And you can always change your mind too. Mm-hmm. You know, there, are, I think that we always feel like, oh, if we make a decision, like that's it. We have to be right. this type of person forever. And, you know, your ultimately your audience is trusting you, the person, and there's space to evolve a little bit and to change and to bring your audience along with you. I mean, we start, I started as an entry level practitioner with a couple of years in the industry. And a lot of the, a lot of the early women that I interviewed are, you know, we've now all been in business for 10 plus years. Uh, we're now agency owners and entrepreneurs and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that has changed and their needs have shifted. And so your audience is going to grow and change along, along with you. And there is always space to pivot a little bit. Uh, I think the key there is just to be as transparent and open and honest as possible. And you might, you might lose a couple of people, but those aren't people that are, that are in alignment with what you're trying to create now. And so that's just kind of like the natural order of things a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it just ends up being a lot easier if you're, if you're, making decisions based on what your existing audience wants from you and also being open and honest with them about whatever transition you're, you're experiencing, you know, personally. That's great advice. Uh, Cause I know a lot of people, I think that's their biggest concern. It's, Oh, well, I'm going to lose this and this, you know, amount of readers or I'll lose these customers. But if it's not, you know, if they're not focused on the long-term vision that you have, then, you know, why do you want to keep them around anyway? So that's great advice. Yeah. I have a so launch coach you- who always says, you know, mm-hmm. you should say thank you for every email unsubscribe that you get. Um, mm-hmm. Because that person was never going to buy anyway. <laughs> that person was right. never going to going to start paying a ton of attention or, or helping you spread mm-hmm. your message or whatever. So just say thank you and wish them well and don't fixate on it, which I, which right. I always think about when I get those email marketing reports at the end of every month. Mm-hmm. So 10 years is a long time <laughs> to be running a blog, especially because, you know, when you started, it, everything was kind of just picking up speed. And now the industry is a full blown industry. Could yep. you see yourself running PR Couture forever or would you be open to exiting by way of acquisition or some other means? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that makes you think about what the next ten years are going to be like than <laughs> than coming up on your first on your first ten years of business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I am incredibly proud of what I have built, and um, and I see a lot of potential with the site, and so I'm open to all sorts of things. Uh, some of our initiatives this year are really about establishing some stronger strategic partnerships mm-hmm. uh, in the next couple of years, uh, you know, doing more offline events, uh, of a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of ideas and a lot of directions that this could all go. Um, and also as a, as that kind of multi-passionate creative entrepreneur, I also um, love the idea of just sort of having a little bit of space to think about what's next. And when you're running your business day in and day out, it can be difficult to have that time just to sort of recalibrate and say, well, what do I care about now? And, um, and how could I make it all kind of work together? And so, yeah, I mean, I haven't, uh, pursued that with any great, uh, it's not like a a formula or anything, but I've definitely been making Mm -hmm. some steps both, you know, just in terms of, um, 
financial clarity and uh, this latest redesign and all of that just to really make sure that we're in the best position that we can possibly be in so that when opportunities come our way, I feel really empowered to say yes or no based on know, based on how it feels and the site itself is in a good, healthy position. Mm -hmm. So you've done, you you mentioned like what's next and you've done so much work outside of PR Couture. You've written a book, you've run a digital agency, you know, you're a business coach, you're now launching, you know, another organization. Tell us about what you have on your plate today. Um, I know before we kind of got on, you mentioned the launch and like, what's next for you? Like not over the next 10 years, but let's say from now till 2017. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Well, right now I have just started working with San Diego State University to, uh, to start teaching a fashion PR course. So that's in the pilot right now. I'm teaching it. I taught it for the first time on Saturday and I'm teaching it again this next Saturday. And that's really fun because I you know, part of why I started Pierre Couture is that in school, you don't learn anything about fashion public relations. And right. so the idea that I'm now coming in and actually building out that curriculum and teaching it at San Diego State is where I got my master's. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually going back and now teaching that as an undergraduate option is really fun. So education and teaching for me, you know, whether it's through additional coursework, um, I teach a virtual a virtual course called PRISM. That's a kind of a career planning, mm-hmm. uh, life coach meets PR skills kind of thing that I've put together that I really enjoy doing. So okay. I'll be teaching that again in uh, in October. Uh, so just you know, really exploring ways of getting this information and education out there. I think when we provide the right information and the tools and the experiences to our sort of entry level cohort, ultimately the entire profession. Uh, does better when the talent is stronger and more qualified, you know, and all of that. Um, it's it's powerful, and so that's certainly part of things. Um, right. I am actually going to become a new mom for the first time in the oh summer. My gosh, congratulations! <laughs> that's okay. That's exciting to me. <laughs> yeah. So that's Congrats. happening. Yeah. So that's I am a big deal. Yeah, I'm due in mid July. <laughs> And so a lot of what is taking up a lot of my time right now is just figuring out how to get the support in place to both take, you know, immediate maternity and then also how to sort of integrate this new working mom thing into the rest of because that's a whole new business. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that certainly has has changed my focus. And there are projects that I've just had to say, hey, like, that's just not going to, I'm just not going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a year or two. And I just, you know, kind of that, that idea of you can, you know, you can do it all, but not all at the same time has right. sort of really been a, um, a, a mantra that I keep repeating when things have gotten really stressful. So mm-hmm. yeah, so right now it's, you know, it's building out these courses and programs, um, looking for those strategic partnerships to help grow the site. Uh, because as niche as we are, it would be nice um, you know, there's opportunity to grow a little bit, whether we move into more beauty and lifestyle content or, mm-hmm. um, you know, even just, you know, doing the merchandise and the, and the shirts and all that stuff is fun. I'd love to expand on that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of those kind of just, those kind of just, you know, ongoing growth opportunities and making sure that we're, um, that we're also just bringing in, you know, great talent and interviewing smart people and, and really right. putting an emphasis on doing the best job content strategy wise that we can. So I think in the next two years, it really is 
um, it's going to be some big, some big growth uh, mm-hmm. and getting us to the next phase. And with that, hopefully comes, you know, being able to to hang out more in this sort of strategic advisor role and a little bit less in the day to day, which I think is a struggle that that everyone goes through, um, you know, as as kind of the business grows. But that's my, you know, my goal is to get this, um, you know, the site and all the different components running and the right people, uh, the right people behind the scenes mm-hmm. and. Uh, and just see kind of, see kind of what happens, what happens while, you know, while leaving a little bit of room for, for what cannot be controlled or even foreseen at this point, just because of how things are going to be changing. Well, thank you so much for, you know, all the insight you provided. And I, and I wish you the absolute best in all of your endeavors, especially as a new mother. Um, and PR Couture for me, I, I'm happy that I get a chance to say this directly to you, will always be an example of like when I start to feel like, okay, you're doing a little bit too much. It's like, okay, PR Couture, <laughs> like, <laughs> like bring it back. It's okay. Just bring it back. Um, so just having, you're definitely one of those examples that I go to in my mind to say, you know, there's power in being niche. A lot of people are afraid to do it. You know, they don't, you know, they feel like we talked about they'll alienate people. But like you said, when you build up that expertise and that consistency in one space, there's, you know, the sky is the limit. So thank you for being an an example and especially in the PR field. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for reflecting that back to me. It's always, you know, we work so much online and in our little bubbles. And so it's always just, just wonderful to hear that anyone is paying attention and, yes. um, and that, uh, and that it, we've been, you know, a positive example. And I, yeah, I believe a hundred percent in everything you just said. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed my convo with Crosby about PR Couture and the power and value in niche markets. And as you start to do a bit of spring cleaning for your own business or blog, really take a look at whether your content, product, or service offering speaks to the audience that you're really hoping to connect with. If it doesn't, this is a great time to take stock of that and put a strategic plan in place to get a little bit leaner and clearer in your messaging using all of the helpful advice and tips that Crosby shared. As always, thank you for tuning in to Hashtags and Stilettos. If you'd like to share your thoughts about this episode, you can leave a review on iTunes or a comment on SoundCloud. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Success, M-I-S-S Success, and you can follow at Hashtags and Stilettos on Instagram for show-related content.